Top Boston, it's Celtics Express, where we bring you the latest in the quest for Banner 18. It's the Prince of the Parquet, the Captain of Causeway, the Governor of Green. Oh, wait, really? He quit? Okay, then. Here's your host, Jay Corwin. What up, what up, what up? Hop on board. I am your host, Jay Corwin. Welcome into Celtics Express, where we give you all the numbers and nuance you need to get through the day in just about 10 minutes. I think we'll go a little long today. Lots to get to. We'll hear from Kyrie Irving coach Brad Stevens, Al Horford, Lavar Ball. What? And we'll check in on the Celtics Express customer service line. Or we'll chat with NBA writer Matt Chin. The Celtics now winners of five of six, holders of the NBA's best mark, 21-4, and four, almost a third of the way through the regular season. The C's beating the Bucks 111-100 at TD Garden Monday night in a potential playoff preview. As the Green continue the longest home stretch of the season, that's five games. Celtics shooting 50% or better from the field for the fifth straight game, the longest such streak since back in 2010. 10 of 22 from three, just over 55% from the floor in all. The Bucks were giving up 40% plus from deep coming into this one. Rebounding would be a huge story heading into the games. The Celtics minus on the boards the previous six contests after being very good on the glass previously. The Green did pull down 45 rebounds to Milwaukee's 28. To no one's surprise, Kyrie Irving led the way for the Celtics with 32 points, 19 in the second half. He continues to impress and get better in a Celtics uniform. Kyrie leads the league in points in the paint as he draws defenders in and gets those open shots for teammates. Irving telling reporters his recent surge, it's really pretty simple. As you progress throughout the NBA season, coming out to summertime, um, you, know, you just start to get in that great, great NBA shape. And, um, you, know, you, want, you never know when it's going to happen, but you can feel it. And I felt it a few games ago, just being able to sustain a high level of play on both ends of the floor for longer periods of time. And usually you can catch other guys off guard, um, you know, when guys are guarding you because chasing me around and chasing me on screens and then still be able to guard somebody on the other end. That's the difference between the good and great players, how consistent you can be in terms of sustaining that energy. After the game, the masked man also spoke about the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's always fun. Um, another, um, you know, premier guy in the Eastern Conference in the league, you know, a Nike brother of mine, and just always good to go against, um, you know, high-level competition. It just raises your game. Irving, not the most modest fellow, but when you're the best ball handler on the flat earth, you can be that way. And to Dekubo, the only player in the NBA to lead their team in all major offensive categories last season. He's doing it again. Uh, Three-point shooting, of course, not a factor. They are still working on that shot for him. The Bucks came into town winners of three straight, two out of the last three in Boston. All eyes on that physical specimen, the Greek freak. He is truly both Greek and a freak. It was Greek night at the Garden. Likely not a coincidence there. Plenty of great food, good-looking people, and back hair on Causeway. Into the Kupo led all scores with 40 points, coming in averaging north of 32 and 11 boards a game in those two games against the Celtics this season. The freak on why he brings it so hard against the Green. Uh, you got to compete against them because uh, they don't stop playing hard. You know, uh, they're a really good team, and uh, from start to finish, they play hard, they play together. So with a team like that, you got to keep being uh, disciplined on defense and uh, keep playing hard offensively too. And to the Kumbo with 16 points in the third quarter. Boston was up by 20 at one point. The Bucks getting it down to 88-81, entering the fourth. Lead hovering around that double-digit mark before Kyrie Irving put the clamps on the game with five straight late. 
Coming into the game, Giannis and Chris Middleton were the most productive scoring duo in the conference, putting up a combined 49 points per game. They went off for 59 in this one. Not much help from the rest of the team, though. The Bucks did get 18 points from the newly acquired Eric Bledsoe from the Suns. The Bucks are 8-4 and four since his arrival in Wisconsin. Rookie Jason Tatum poured in 17, including 4 of 5 from deep. The Rook electric in the first quarter, going 4 for 4 from behind the three-point line. Tatum leads the league in three-point percentage. That rose above 50% on the season with Monday night's effort. You can put that number at a whopping 66% in the fourth quarter. That's the best in the NBA for those with at least five attempts. The rookie shooting close to a 70% clip in total from the field in the final period. FYI, the rookie record for three-point percentage by a rookie. Any guesses? That would be Gordon Hayward's 47.3% back in the 2010-2011 season. Many are shocked at Tatum's consistent shooting early on, but head coach Brad Stevens says he's not. First of all, guys that can score, the ball finds the net. Just just happens, right? And then, um, But when he came in for his workout, you know, he, he made a lot of shots. And it looked effortless, and that's usually a pretty good sign. You know, it wasn't like it was just, it didn't look like it was just one of those days where he was hitting everything. Al Horford coming up big again with 20 points, 9 boards, 8 assists in the winning effort. This after he had 11 dimes in the Celtics' win over the Sun Saturday. That's the most assists by any Celtics player 6'10 or taller since some dude named Bill Russell. Horford after the game. You know, the work that I've been putting in is starting to pay off for me. Um, always coming in with the same focus, trying to play the right way, do the right things, and um, you know, I feel like we're starting to find a rhythm as a group, and, and I'm finding my rhythm too. Horford led the squad with a plus 21-point differential. Marcus Smart with another huge game without scoring much. Seven assists and that filthy D. Daniel Tice also showing his length is affecting the defense. His athleticism mixed with length and height, a dangerous recipe. Don't forget about Aaron Baines. He had a great 15 minutes, 10 points, four boards. He's becoming a fan favorite, just six shots for those 10 points. It's that time we head to the phone. Teddy, hit me with the good stuff. Got NBA on the brain? Call the sex line. Whoa there. That's Celtics Express Customer Service. Give us your take at 617-807-0013 to be heard on the show. Get on that. Give us a call if you want to get on the show. We welcome in NBA writer and Celtics Express contributor Matt Chin to the Celtics Express Customer Service line. Mr. Chin, thoughts on the game? Uh, I, I thought they did a great job running the offense through Horford last night. Uh, he had Giannis Antetokounmpo on him, defending him, uh, which really kind of negated a lot of Giannis's defensive abilities. When Giannis was on the ball, he wasn't able to use his length to jump into passing lanes, defend the rim, or contest any of the beneficiaries from Al Horford's eight assists. So I thought that was a nice schematic theme of last night. Uh, and then also putting the ball in Marcus Smart's hands and letting him run the offense when Kyrie was off the floor. I think Brad Stevens has seen, you know, what Marcus Smart has been like as an off-ball kind of spot-up shooter and his struggles at the beginning of the season. Um, so Smart's ability to kind of penetrate the paint, uh, work his way in, and then decide you know, how to facilitate from there, whether it be lobs to Al Horford or cross-court swing passes for corner threes. I think Smart is just better utilized in that role. Uh, so those are two things aside from, obviously, uh, Giannis and Kyrie's 
massive nights that stood out to me. Yeah, Smart all of a sudden looking really good in that pick and roll, uh, looking like maybe Chris Paul out there out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we have that eight uh, $8.5 million exemption with the player buyout stuff going on. What's the deal with that? You're the smartest guy on the show right now. What, what can you tell us? Yeah, so the Celtics have an $8.4 million injury exemption, uh, obviously stemming back to Gordon Hayward's injury, and they have to use it before March 10th. Uh, it does not carry over into the next year. So they can claim or trade for any player that has one year left on his current contract, or they can sign a free agent. Um, but it has to be within that $8.4 million threshold, or else it will go against the luxury tax, which the Celtics are already pushed up against. Um, so if you're looking at free agent wings right now, um, you know, old friend Gerald Green is out there, Brendan Rush, uh, Corey Brewer is kind of falling out of good graces with the Lakers because they're going young. Uh, Monte Ellis has not played this entire year. Mm. He's a bit a bit on the older side. Um, so those are your wings. I actually think uh, the combo bigs and then the big positions is a little bit more interesting um, and, and fills some more needs for the Celtics. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova is out there. He could be bought out at any moment by the Hawks, who are obviously trying uh, to tank a little bit to get a good draft pick. So he's a good buyout candidate. Um, also, Boris Diaw, who is playing in the French League right now, has an NBA buyout clause. So later in the season, he could be an option as well. Um, there have been rumors out there about the Celtics flirting with Greg Monroe, um, but he'll likely cost a first-round pick and or young assets because that's what Milwaukee used to uh, um, you know, acquire him. So uh, the Celtics would probably be more interested in Monroe if he's bought out. Um, but the two most interesting names out there for young big men who fit that $8.4 million threshold is Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor, who the Celtics have been connected to in the past. Noel uh, not getting much playing time in Dallas uh, and had to sign that one-year deal. And then Okafor, uh, they've been looking for trade partners for him for seems like a couple years. Uh, they haven't been able to do that. Um, and then the Celtics could get a little bit more creative and combine the designated player salary amount with um, you know, a larger contract, say a Marcus Morris, to bring in a player close to that $20 million uh, salary range. So uh, when a team uses a player to acquire or uses the exception to acquire a player via trade, the tricky part is that the team has to wait two months before that player can be repackaged for a bigger contract. So if the Celtics were eyeing, you know, something big like a DeMarcus Cousins or Paul George or Marcus Gasol or DeAndre Jordan, guys who have you know, close to max salary deals, they would have to make that trade to package the DPE salary at least two months before the trade deadline. Um, so if you're thinking, you know, a big splashy player like that, uh, there are some more hoops to jump through, but there are plenty of options for the Celtics, especially along the front line uh, with the DPE. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of buyout players at this point in the season, but, um, you know, it's something to keep track of uh, as the season progresses. Well, I guess that uh, just about covers it, Matt. Could you just say that one more time for me? Nah, I'm just <laughs> So, uh, so as far as moving forward, uh, the Celtics hysteria is real right now. Everyone very excited, and with just cause, the team's been very fun to play devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, what what could be the possible Achilles heel moving forward? What do you see as a problem sure. late in the season? I've been hearkening back to the rebounding, uh, which has been yeah. so improved this season, going from one of the worst rebounding teams in the league 
to uh, now they are sixth in rebounding rate. They were second as of two weeks ago. Uh, so their domination on the glass has slipped a little bit. I don't buy them as being a dominant def- uh, rebounding team just because they didn't really add a lot of players in the front line. I understand that they have more length, uh, you know, one through four, but uh, they really struggle against the Tristan Thompsons, Robin Lopez's, Andre Drummond's, who can really earn critical extra possessions in clutch moments. Uh, it doesn't affect them against teams like Milwaukee that really lack a true bruising center. Uh, and then the other thing that I think we could see more of now is kind of the experience level and how young this team is. Uh, they're going to start to see other teams second and third time around. So opposing defenses have more tape to scheme up for some of the Celtics' younger players. And I'm very curious to see how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum respond when they're confronted with some different defensive looks and different defensive schemes. Excellent stuff, as always, at Matt Chin, NBA on Twitter. He's a writer, a podcaster, and a friend of the show. We appreciate your time, as always, Matt. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Okay, as you know, we do, of course, primarily cover the Celtics on this program, but we will touch on other interesting topics if needed. And everyone loves to hear about the Ball family. Patriarch LeVar is pulling his son, Leangelo, out of UCLA. LeVar explained his plan on NBC's Today Show Tuesday morning. I'm going to get Jello in shape. I'm going to work him out. We're going to do some other things, and he's going to be headed to the NBA. But the grand plan stays the same. All these boys are going to get on the Lakers. Watch how I do this. And people will look up and they say, wow, how'd they all get on the Lakers? LeVar tells ESPN LiAngelo is leaving the Bruins basketball team and the university as a whole after receiving an indefinite suspension for that shoplifting charge in China last month. The elder ball says they're exploring all options, but added LiAngelo will not be transferring to another school. With that, another Celtics Express as a wrap. The C's win over Milwaukee pushes them to 21-4. and They will host Dallas tomorrow. Meanwhile, some good news. Kyrie Irving says he could shed that protective face mask for Saturday's matchup with Utah. He's been wearing the mask since breaking a bone in his face November 10th against Charlotte. For our producer, Teddy Tuha, today's guest, Matt Chin, and our legions of fans, we thank you for checking us out. Find Celtics Express on Twitter at Celtics Express, on otgbasketball.com, and on full blast in your grandmama's new whip. Until next time, have a great day. We'll see you at the Garden.